This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra. Starbucks Workers United is trying to organize Starbucks, and a lot of us are on their side. For this Christmas, they are asking people to not buy Starbucks gift certificates, which I think is a very, very, very important development, and it causes us to want to take a long look at what labor can and can't do, and what labor might and might not do. We need to talk about Starbucks gift cards. It's the holiday season, everybody's buying Starbucks gift cards for parents, teachers, coaches, whatever. People are buying them. This year, unionized Starbucks baristas are asking you to please not buy Starbucks gift cards this year. This is because Starbucks has launched a scorched earth union busting campaign against organizing baristas, including everything from firing baristas to shutting down stores. And the federal government is prosecuting Starbucks for over 900 violations of federal labor law. They are refusing to bargain with us in good faith. And so please, this year we are asking that you do not buy Starbucks gift cards. Use this opportunity to go to your local coffee shop, support them, support literally any other coffee shop, just not Starbucks this year. Notice that they haven't called this a boycott. I have a notion and I don't really know this for a fact, but I have a notion that a boycott is a legal term and that people have to be careful in using it. But there is such a thing as a boycott. In fact, the AFL-CIO, the National Labor Movement, has a boycott list on their uh, website. You can read it. It's not got very many on it and it hasn't been updated since June of this year. So apparently the boycott is not presently a major tool of the labor movement. The AFL-CIO has a policy that prevents local unions and local labor bodies from supporting any boycott that they have not approved nationally. And the reason is because there might be a local union somewhere that wants to support a boycott against a company that has good contracts in effect somewhere else with some other union. So in order to coordinate boycotts, the National AFL-CIO says that no lower body of the labor movement in America can support a boycott until it gets approved by national. Don't get boycotts mixed up with secondary boycotts. That's another issue. There's a long list of historical boycotts online. You can find it under Wikipedia, list of boycotts. One of the boycotts that is especially important in history is the Danbury Hatters case. In that case, the union was trying to carry out a boycott in support of of an organizing drive and the company successfully applied the Sherman Antitrust Act against unions saying that unions acted in restraint of trade. So the Sherman Antitrust Act which was supposed to be against corporations was turned against unions in the Danbury Hatters case. That all got overturned later on in the 1930s. A secondary boycott is not the same thing as a boycott. A secondary boycott is like a situation like this, 
one union, let's say the Smith workers over at the Smith plant go on strike and the other workers over on Brown say, well, we're going to go on strike too just to help the Smith workers. You can't do that. That's illegal. It's been illegal clearly in America since 1947. Before that, it kind of went back and forth from Danbury Hatter's and up to uh, 1947. But since then, it is clearly not legal for a union to go on strike just in solidarity with another strike. That's called a secondary boycott. It's completely illegal. Looking back in history, a few of us are old enough to remember when the United Farm Workers of America carried out their grape boycott all over the world and were successful and ended up with a successful organizing drive, especially in California, among the workers that harvested the grapes. They also carried out a boycott later on on lettuce. It's hard to assess how successful they are with these things because the company's not going to tell you just how much money they've lost because of a boycott. So without the company being able to supply the information, it is very hard to say just how much a boycott may have, how much of a difference a boycott may have made. The Coors strike and boycott was one that I was very interested in because Adolf Coors was practically a Nazi. He was an extremely right-wing person who owned the Coors brewery, and it was boycotted uh, over civil rights issues with Chicano groups in Colorado to begin with. But it went on as a civil rights problem uh, for some time. And I was particularly hurt when I went to an NAACP meeting, I think this was in the mid-1980s, and found that Coors was a sponsor of their convention. So Coors, the Coors boycott just kind of dribbled away. Nobody ever knew how much Coors had lost because of it. But however, they came out of it okay. And in some people say that it actually helped them because it forced them to start going into more states. Prior to that time, people from certain states would get Coors and, and take it back to places like New York City and say, look at me, I got Coors because you couldn't buy it all over the country. Well, of course, now you can. So the Coors boycott is a pretty good example of one that didn't work. Here's another one, the Great American Boycott. The Great American Strike, it was also called. It was also called The Day Without an Immigrant. It was a one-day boycott of United States schools and businesses by immigrants in the United States. I remember this did not have that big of an effect. Now, another example, I think, of a failure or at least an unmeasured success, a success that you can't really measure, is the United Auto Workers boycotted all non-UAW-made cars that were sold in America. The auto workers were told, we don't want anybody to buy a car that was made in Japan or somewhere else. Even though those Japanese cars were made by union members in Japan, the ones in Korea are made by, Korea, by Korean union members. The ones in Germany are made by German union members. 
But the auto workers union here, the UAW, had a policy, do not buy any of those cars that were not made by the UAW. Then, of course, all those companies moved into the United States and started building their cars in the United States, which made it even harder to get uh, this boycott carried out. And people ignored it anyway. So many people went ahead and bought the uh, Japanese cars or the, or the British cars or the German cars or the Korean cars. One reason is that they were cheaper. And another reason is that they, they ran pretty well. So the UAW did that for a long time. I haven't heard lately if they are continuing that policy, but I do know at our local UAW auto assembly plant in Arlington, Texas, there is still a sign at the union hall that says you can't park your car in front of the union hall. There's a place in back that you can park. That same sign in that same place a few years ago used to say, you can't park here anywhere. You can't park anywhere around here if you're driving a car that was not made by the auto workers union. So they've continued trying to make a boycott and it's had mixed effect. I didn't like that boycott, even though I'm an auto workers member, a UAW member. I particularly didn't like it because there was a lot of xenophobia in it. In other words, they were saying, if it ain't American enough, then you can't buy it. It's got to be American, and you know we don't care anything about what happens to anybody else in any other countries. So I thought that was not a very good policy. And then I think it came almost to racism sometimes. You could almost have people saying, we don't want to buy those cars from Asia because they were made from by people of a different race. Of course, none of that was explicit, but, but nevertheless, it came up to that edge of saying that. I'm not sure what the United Auto Workers is saying today, but if you just go out on the street and look, you'll see that certainly the boycott did not stop Americans from buying cars made in other countries. How is this going to go with the Starbucks workers saying don't buy gift certificates. And why am I so interested in it? I have my reasons. There's a movie about a boycott, a very interesting movie. It's based on a 2,500 year old Greek play called Lysistrata by a sarcastic Greek writer named Aristophanes. The movie is named Chirac, and kind of combining Chicago with Iraq. In the movie, which was made by the great uh, film author Spike Lee, the women of Chicago decide that they have to do something about gun violence because the men of Chicago are killing each other right and left. And the way they do it, this is the same as the old Greek play, is they say they're not going to have sex with the men until they stop all this killing. A very interesting use of the boycott and a very good movie and I thought it was funny as heck. That's another example of a boycott. I don't know if anything like that would work. Uh, as far as I know, nobody actually tried it, but it made a pretty good movie. The Starbucks Workers United have been trying to organize for some time and I think the number, the 
of stores that they've organized is somewhat a little bit short of 400. It's like 390 maybe or 370 or something like that. We've been pretty successful here in the Dallas area because our young active labor leaders has really thrown themselves into helping. But how many Starbucks stores are there in the United States? I thought there were 9,000, but then I looked it up on Wikipedia and there are 16,255 as of October 9th, 2023. That's a lot of Starbucks stores. And if you've got fewer than 400 of them organized, then this organizing one store at a time is tough business. It's very hard business. And especially because the people that work in the Starbucks stores tend to change. They change every semester because a lot of them are high school and college students. And uh, as the semesters change, the workers change. Starbucks, by the way, has 35,711 stores worldwide. And that was last year. I don't know how many they have this year. I think they start one. I think I saw it somewhere that they start one every nine minutes. So even if you could organize them one at a time, it would be very, very, very difficult if they're starting a new store every few minutes. And even if they did organize them one at a time and tried to get contracts for each store one at a time, it would be very, very hard to service them. In other words, how would you enforce a contract if you couldn't afford to have a steward on site? And in a place that only has 15 workers to begin with, it's hard to see how they could afford to have a steward, a union steward, running around solving their grievances for them. So it's a difficult problem. I have thought for a long time that the way to organize Starbucks was to take advantage of our 71% popularity. The labor movement is popular in the United States, more popular than ever. 71% of the people believe in it. 71% of the people support the union movement. And I think it's entirely possible that they might also support a national boycott of Starbucks stores, in which case then they could, then they could negotiate some kind of a national contract. They're not calling such a boycott. They are not doing that. They are still saying, go to the Starbucks stores, we want to keep those jobs. We want to keep our members working. We want to keep all the Starbucks people working. So continue going to Starbucks stores, but they are calling people to not buy gift certificates, which could be very painful for Starbucks because they make very handy and little kitschy gift certificates that you can give on Christmas. You can put them in your Christmas cards and uh, they're very nice. And as far as I know, there's no simple substitute. The obvious substitute from the union point of view would be Kroger. Here in Texas, Kroger is our union organized grocery store and they sell gift certificates. But that's not the same as, as getting a Starbucks gift certificate. So what they're saying is don't buy Starbucks gift certificates. And as far as I can tell, they are not calling it a boycott. Will it work? That's what I'd like to know. I think it might work if we really throw ourselves into it. And if Starbucks and the union see that a boycott of 
gift certificates works, then they might very well consider carrying out a national boycott of Starbucks stores everywhere. And if they did, they might be able to get a national contract. So it remains to be seen. But if we get behind it, if we do everything we can possibly do, and I think some people are going to get behind it and going to be doing everything they can possibly do, a boycott might work if you can spread the word. That's how the boycott worked when the farm workers did it with the grapes back in the 1960s. The farm workers had all kinds of support from churches, from communities, from unions. They had families of farm workers going around speaking at every possible occasion that they could find. And they got into the news quite a bit, especially with a long march that they took to uh, advertise the great boycott. So a boycott can work. Most of them haven't. But if this one does work, it may mean a very important, very exciting new development, a new tool for winning in the labor movement. This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra.